a Republican member of Congress from Texas who is demanding answers from the U.S. Census Bureau. This in reference to their admission some time ago that it kind of messed up on counting. And it's just, it's an, uh, once again an amazing coincidence that the screw-up benefits Democrats. I tell you, the Democrat Party is the luckiest party. Every time there is some sort of screw-up with counting, the stars align for that party, whether it is recounting ballots or finding new ballots to count or counting the number of citizens, even non-citizens, the number of people in particular states, and inevitably... 99 out of 100 times, the Democrat Party is the party that benefits. Those of you who are Democrats, do you ever just stop and wonder why that is? I mean, do you you ever have that moment of like, yeah, listen, I know. (laughs) You got to admit it. I, I just can't imagine skipping through life. With situations like that and just telling oneself, oh, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. (laughs) That's all that it is. So the U.S. Census Bureau, they admitted that they undercounted populations in five states. Oh, they were Republican states. Interesting. Overcounted people in six states, Democrat states. Again, remarkable. The numbers on their side. A disparity that one congressman noted cost Texas a congressional seat in which it was entitled. This is Representative Troy Nels, Republican Texas, telling Just the News he's demanding answers from the Population Counting Agency because the disparities uncovered by the 2020 post-enumeration survey show errors in counting large enough to impact the tools of U.S. representative democracy, such as electoral votes and congressional appointment. Oh, but by the way, that isn't anything that you know you need to concern yourselves with when it comes to the integrity of democracy or elections. See, we hear so much about democracy, democracy, democracy from Democrats. Nell said the numbers don't lie. Texas was undercounted by 2%, which means we were cheated out of an additional seat in Congress. And four other Republican states were as well. As a result, these red states have less representation in Congress, fewer votes in the Electoral College, and therefore receive less federal funding. So you do, you've got the funding issue there. You've got the control of Congress issue there because there are some states that are, again, when you have the the census occurs every every 10 years and Congress used to just add. I forget what the numbers were, but, oh, we got this many people. We need to add another member of Congress. Well, at some point it was recognized we got a lot. We don't need any more. So then it began where it would just be a reallocation. 
So if you had a in, an increase in population in one state, a decrease in the other, then you would have that representation shift. The state that has a loss of population would lose a member of Congress and it would go to a state that had an increase in population. Well, what does that mean when you have states that are Republican states undercounted by the Census Bureau, states that are blue states overcounted? That means that red states lose members of Congress to blue states. When it comes to the presidential election, because we elect a president of the United States, not of the people, there seems to be confusion, particularly amongst Democrats. They think we should vote directly for the president, but he's not the president of the people. He's not a representative of the people. He is the president over the United States, which is why the states choose the president through the Electoral College. The number of electoral votes that a state has depends on the number of members of Congress they have. That's how that that number is chosen. You take the number of members of Congress that are assigned to the state based on population and you add two, one for each U.S. senator, and that is the electoral vote power that that state has. So in addition to giving blue states by accidentally undercounting red states and accidentally overcounting blue states, by shifting those members of Congress to those states, not only are you disproportionately and inaccurately shifting that balance of power from red to blue states for the purposes of Congress, but for the election of the president of the United States as well. By the way, this isn't in dispute. The Census Bureau said, oopsie daisies. We did that. The Census Bureau earlier this year said a post-count analysis found the 2020 census undercounted populations in Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Texas. Overcounted populations in Hawaii, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New York, Rhode Island, and Joe Biden's home state of Delaware. Census officials acknowledged they were disappointed by the accuracy rate of the count, which they said was impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. But again, those impacts. Every time the Democrats are the ones that benefit. None of the under and over counts can be fixed by a portion or for apportionment, but the survey will be sued to try to make the 2030 count more precise, they added. But guess what? If it isn't, because who do you think lost their job because of this? Who do you think was forced to testify because of this? Who do you think is under investigation because of this? Nobody. And they know that. Are we really so naive as to believe that this is yet another coincidence in which government screws up and when it comes to the electoral process, when it comes to power in Washington, when it comes to federal dollars, the Democrats are the ones who benefit? Really? Are we really going to believe that? Matt Moyer with the latest news update. A teacher killed Monday in a shooting at a St. Louis high school had close connections to Springfield. Jean Kuska attended Missouri State University, where she studied physical education. 
Kuska came to Springfield on a field hockey scholarship. She played on the 1979 National Championship team, a team that was later inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. Kuska lost her life while trying to protect students from gunfire on Monday, the shooting that killed two and injured seven. The Missouri State Highway Patrol reports that Norval Lakey, 84, of Birch Tree was killed in a head-on crash Monday afternoon. Troopers say the driver of a pickup crossed the center line of Highway 5 and hit Lakey's pickup just south of Mansfield. The driver who caused the crash was not hurt. The driver of a motorcycle was killed in a crash yesterday. The Highway Patrol reports that Robert Moyer, 52, of Arlington, Texas, and ran off at U.S. 60 and hit a tree west of Pro Tem. Moyer was pronounced dead at the scene. Police in Aurora are looking for several suspects that were involved in a pursuit over the weekend. Officers attempted to stop a white car on U.S. 60 Saturday after it failed to yield. The driver did not stop and instead led police on a pursuit. The driver then lost control of the vehicle and crashed. The suspects were able to escape custody. If you have any information, you are being asked to call authorities. And today is the start of Missouri's no-excuse absentee voting. You can go to your county clerk's office and cast your ballot in person. I'm Matt Moyer, Springfield's Talk, 1041. First alert forecast, showers today, possibly a thunderstorm. Temperatures falling down to 45 by late afternoon. Showers likely tonight. It will eventually clear out overnight with a low of 37. Sunny 63 tomorrow. And Thursday, partly sending a high of 62. It's 49 now, so we can expect to see those temperatures drop just by a few degrees. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Yeah. Hey, everyone, it's Sarah Myers. Hey, here I am. Yeah. yeah. Well, with inflation rising, it is important to make sure that you hire the right person when something goes wrong with your home. You don't have time and money to waste, and that's why I want to recommend my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance. Now, Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S, and they can do a variety of home repairs and maintenance for you. Now, I know a lot of you have used Bruce and his team in the past. In fact, I've used them a multitude of times, and honestly, I have nothing but good things to say about Bruce and his team. Now, they've done a lot of jobs for me. Uh, Some of them are smaller jobs like fixing an electrical outlet that hasn't ever worked in my sunroom uh, to some of the bigger jobs like putting an extra support post on my back deck so my roof will literally not fall on me while I'm out there. Uh, So whatever life throws your way, Beatles Property Maintenance is the company that you can trust to get your home back in tip-top shape. Now, you can find all of the contact information for Bruce and the Beatles property maintenance team at ksgf.com under the Sarah's endorsements tab. Hey, will you uh, check? We have a thing. Oh, yeah. Yes. See if I, I didn't. I don't Sorry, know. Sorry, my bad. No, no, it's mine too. Uh, anyway, God, I hope it's not out there pounding on the KT window. <laughs> Sometimes we um, our our doors always stay locked. It wasn't that way prior to the pandemic. The door was open. Well, the the very front entrance door was open, but then there was a second like door, and uh, we had office personnel up there, and then COVID and everything, and so we just keep it locked all the time now. And you know, we'll have guests, and, and I always try to be good about telling them, hey, you know, we'll let you in. Those doors are locked. Well, right by the doors is the window to the KTTS studio, and sometimes guests, they just 
get impatient or maybe we didn't translate that to them enough and they'll knock on that window and it really drives KTTS nuts, especially if they're on air. And so <laughs> I try to remember, I, I always apologize to them because, you know, it, you know, is he, no? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sure it is extremely aggravating uh, to, to have people, well, and especially if it's dark outside, you don't know who it is. You, you know, you don't want to necessarily ignore them. And so then they're in this awkward place of do, who is this person? Is it some nut crazy person that is going on some sort of stabbing spree? And anyway, I just, I had somebody marked on my calendar and I forgot about it and I wasn't sure if they were going to show up. So that's what I was having. I thought, oh no, if they're out there beating on that window, I'm never going to hear the end of it. I'm never going to hear the end of it. I I, I know me too. <laughs> I it, I get it. I totally. You know the thing about it, it's not just the the knocking so much. I don't get easily distracted. Well, maybe I do. I don't mind getting distracted. I do the show out as you know on Fridays, and so I'm very accustomed to all sorts of things going on around me, and it just doesn't bother me. And I forget not everyone does that, and so it can be very annoying or distracting if you're trying to do the show and and somebody's you know pounding on your window uh, to the studio. But it isn't that as much as you know you don't know who that person is and are and are they here for somebody else or is it just some crazy person? So it, it's a safety issue. And uh, we're, power has the problem, too. It's not just us that have deliver people to the KT window and knock in. Like they're uh, zoo animals. I told them we're just going to put please don't tap on the glass sign on the window. But I don't think they felt that that was going <laughs> to. I did. That's what I told Nancy. I like so, that. <laughs> <laughs> please don't tap on the glass. The animals do not like that. Uh, came across a, a really interesting follow-up story in, at Reason.com. I love follow-up stories to big announcements. And as you know, a big to-do was made by President Biden of pardoning and expunging and freeing from prison all of these federal all of these people in federal prison for marijuana use because no one should be in prison for marijuana. Oh, and this is just amazing, right? And so one of the very first questions that I had was, I wonder how many people that actually even affects, right? Is this me- is this something that is meaningful? Are, are we talking about thousands of people? Because sometimes in the discussion, that's the impression you get. Or is this total crap and BS? This is the headline reason Dot com and their their research Biden's marijuana pardon did not free any prisoners <laughs> zero from federal prison or deliver expungement as promised none none Jacob Sullivan at Reason writes Edward Rubis Edwin Rubis has served more than two decades of a forty year federal prison sentence for participating in a marijuana distribution operation. Taking into account good time credit, he's not scheduled to be released until August of twenty thirty two. Rubis is one of about three thousand federal prisoners whose cannabis related sentences were unaffected by President Biden's mass pardon for low-level marijuana offenders. A protest at the White House today called attention to their predicament. Did you know about this protest? Now, granted, I don't get the opportunity because I'm one person to see every single news broadcast, but I wasn't aware of this. 
it would be sort of an inconvenient story for the media, wouldn't it, to say, oh, remember that big announcement that Biden made and the big deal he made and encouraged all of the states to follow suit? Guess what? There's protests going on because not a single person, not one in the entire country, has been released. Now, it's not because of bureaucracy. It's not because of paperwork. It's because, and we'll get, I'm going to take a break and we'll get into this, because there isn't evidently a single person in the country who qualifies under the, um, the restrictions that Biden put forth with this, uh, this uh, pardoning. I mean, this is not typical, perfect snapshot of government specifically run by Democrats. I don't know what is. Hear about it. Hear about I, I know it. I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Uh, the big proclamation from the Biden administration. Because nobody, nobody should be in prison for marijuana. And that he was going to pardon all of these people. He he encouraged states to do the same thing. Well, evidently, not a single person has been released. Not because of bureaucracy. Not because of paperwork, but because no one qualifies. Biden's October 6th proclamation applied only to U.S. citizens or legal permanent residents convicted of simple marijuana possession under the Controlled Substance Act or the District of Columbia Code, none of whom were even incarcerated. So there wasn't a single person. For all the talk about there shouldn't be anybody in prison for, for just smoking marijuana, there wasn't anyone in federal prison for that. It did nothing. These people are just such. Although his pardon could benefit as many as 10,000 or so individuals, that represents a tiny percentage of all simple possession cases, which typically are charged under state law and Biden's action will not release a single federal prisoner. According to a 2021 report from Recidivis, Quote, more than 3,000 individuals are currently serving marijuana-related sentences in federal prison. The report estimated that ending federal marijuana prohibition, a step that Biden has steadfastly resisted, would reduce the federal prison population by more than $2,800 or 2,800 people over five years. Uh... There was a, a, let's see, 16 drug policy reform groups noted in a letter to Biden on October 10th, quote, your recent executive order, while a great first step, did nothing to address the thousands of federal cannabis prisoners currently incarcerated in federal prison. I don't understand why this is a great first step. It wasn't a step at all. It did nothing. They went on to note, while your recent executive order will help many, it didn't. It will not release a single one of the nearly 2,800 federal cannabis prisoners. Although 18 states in the District of Columbia has legalized cannabis, there are thousands of Americans who are serving long-term prison sentences, including some life sentences, in federal facilities for for conduct involving amounts of cannabis that are far less than what dispensaries routinely handle on a daily basis. 
They write the moral logic of Biden's distinction between simple possession and other marijuana offenses is puzzling. He says marijuana use should not be treated as a crime, yet he's willing to let individuals like Rubis languish in prison merely for helping people use marijuana, which today is recognized as a legitimate business in most states, 19 of which allow recreational as well as medicinal use. Because, here, listen, here's the secret. The, the government has gotten very good at legalizing things while not really legalizing them. Like, for example, is popcorn illegal? No, it's not illegal. You can go get it anytime you want. You don't need government's permission to get it. You can go buy it on a shelf anywhere. Anywhere that wants to sell popcorn can sell popcorn. Interestingly enough, though, the, quote, legalization of marijuana doesn't work that way. You can't just go out and get it anywhere you want. You can't, any store can't just sell it. That's not legalization. That is government allowing a few hand-picked businesses and individuals to do what it is that they tell them they can do. And by the way, Amendment 3 here in Missouri is not much different than that. It is not legalizing marijuana. Aside from whether or not that should even be a constitutional issue, if it were the legalization of marijuana, you would not need government's permission to either sell it or or you know to and then be regulated in what capacity and so forth. But there are going to be winners and losers, and there's a lottery, and the government has all of these rules. That's not legalization. There is so much about this argument of you know the so-called legalization of marijuana that is not accurate, that misleads people into believing one thing when another thing is occurring. And, uh, you know, leave it once again to government to take something that, in, in true fashion, legalization would be simple. Okay, we're out. We got nothing to do with it any longer and manage to get even more involved in it than they were before. Which, of course, makes it even more expensive, more burdensome for businesses, makes it more of a pain in the butt. What does it tell you, in all seriousness? If you have somebody that sells drugs, that they had an easier time dealing with the person that they illegally bought the drugs from than they do from the government when it becomes legal. What does that tell you? But back to this piece here, and it, it, Reason.com, Reason Magazine, is doing what every mainstream journalistic outlet should do, and that is follow-up. And there was huge fanfare about this, and it was presented as some sort of moral high ground because no one should sit in federal prison because of simple marijuana use. And here, I'm the great savior. I'm going to free all of you people. Oh, and they it's applauded how wonderful it is. Kamala's out there who herself imprisoned thousands of people for marijuana usage, and yet not a single person qualified. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Yeah, 
Lightning. Uh, first alert forecast showers, possibly thunderstorms still today. Temperature is falling to around 45. We're at like 48 now. Showers likely tonight, then clearing overnight, low of 37. Sunny 63 tomorrow, 62 on Thursday. Uh, garage experts, amazing transformation. Turn your garage into a showpiece of your home. It no longer is that room when you give a tour of your home that you don't bother showing people because what's the point? It's a garage, right? It can be so much more than that. Mine is now. I love it. Amazing transformation. It is a living space in my home. You know, you pay for that square footage. Why dismiss it? Garage experts totally transform the functionality of it for you with custom design storage based on your usage. And, of course, the the highest quality epoxy flooring with hundreds of colors. Somebody asked me at the, the Saturday event, they're like, oh, do they have this, you know, it's a specific blue. I said, I can all but guarantee you they do because there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cho- options to choose from. Garage experts, find them under Nick's endorsements at ksgf.com. And you can see a video of my garage uh, transformation on my Facebook page, 1041 Nick Reed. There was a point, it it seems as, I'd say maybe Clinton, possibly Obama. I I can think, I know Clinton was very specific. When... uh, Things went poorly for Democrats. You had those elections and you had the contract with America, the Newt Gingrich revolution, and Democrats made the deliberate conscious effort. They had to become more moderate. That they, and and that's how it was that you had Clinton and Newt Gingrich negotiate a number of things, including a theoretical balanced budget. Things that, interestingly enough, Democrats would brag about later, but they were things that Gingrich pushed, forced to happen, welfare to work. There were a number of of um, uh, requests, demands, whatever you want to call them, that the the Republicans wanted as part of a deal that the more progressive wing of the Democrat Party were very upset about. They were very unhappy about uh, welfare to work. It was that you had to, you know, be at least attempting to get back to work in order to stay on welfare. And there was just a number of these things. And and this was an acknowledgement. We need to pivot. But we're in a day and an age now where Democrats, they just, you have some doing a little bit of talking, but when it comes down to it, there appears to be no attempt to go, oh, wait, we kind of messed this up. All right, we better pull back a little bit. Crime, right? Crime is a huge one. And the explosion of crime has not, it's, it wasn't just defunding the police or, quote, reallocating funds is what Democrats are trying to masquerade it as now. But it's the environment that was that was created by Democrats in their demand for defunding the police. Because why why were they demanding this? Because police were inherently bad. They were systemically racist. And 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 they did a, a very good job of sending the message to criminals that they are on their side. When you have a vice presidential candidate that is out there encouraging people to donate money to bail out criminals some of which who would later commit other more violent crimes. That sends a message. 
When you pass laws telling criminals, guess what? You can now steal up to $800 worth of merchandise and we won't do anything to you. That sends a message. Anytime there is an officer-involved shooting, if the immediate go-to out of the gate is, depending on the race of the individual shot, oh, this is because police are racist and support riots, that sends a message. Crime in Illinois, and this is, this is the doubling down, where you just think to yourself, you know what, do what you're going to do. We're tired of trying to help. Crime in Illinois could, quote, spiral out of control after a new law overhauling the state's criminal justice system goes into effect in January, the mayor of a Chicago suburb said. Orland Park Mayor Keith Pacow, who is running for Congress in Illinois' 6th District, said, quote, When I said that this is the most dangerous law I've ever seen, I believe that. The Illinois Safety, Accountability, Fairness, and Equity Today Act, known as SAFETY, changes multiple parts of Illinois' justice system with provisions like ending cash bail, because we've seen how well that's worked out in places like New York City, limiting how flights determine whether defendants are flight risks, and allow defendants under electronic monitoring to leave home for 48 hours before they can be charged with escape. So you get a 48-hour head start. The legislation, which Governor Pritzker signed into law last year, will go into effect January 1st. Pacow told Fox News, I don't think we know what's coming from this. Oh, I think we do know. Some of us do. He went on to say, I think we can project that if criminals are allowed to run free and police officers cannot protect citizens, citizens are going to start protecting themselves and take the law into their own hands. Now, to some degree, that is good because I think citizens need to start doing that. The problem is when you are in a state like Illinois run by Democrats, then they punish you for doing it. We've heard these stories before where you have a law-abiding citizen that protects him or herself, but they live in a blue state or they're in a blue county, and then the law goes after... Look at Kyle Rittenhouse, for God's sakes. I mean, they turned that guy into public enemy number one. The media falsely, on numerous occasions, claiming that he shot black people. Falsely, on numerous occasions, claiming that he was transporting weapons illegally over state lines. I mean, this guy they lied about, they trashed, they demonized because he defended himself. So unfortunately, again, while I do believe ultimately the answer to having a safe society is one, people who are allowed to protect themselves and two, they actually do that. That doesn't mean that you don't have a form of law enforcement. But if criminals understand that they break into a home, there's a very good chance they're going to be shot and killed. It decreases the likelihood they're going to do that. But when you then demonize the law-abiding citizen, they have the criminal against them and the government against them as well. The 764-page Safety Act passed both chambers of Illinois' legislature in seven hours with no formal hearings, no debates, 
And without any input for stakeholders, three uh, former Illinois justice system officials wrote in a Chicago Tribune op-ed, quote, the whole thing is concerning to me because it was just a potpourri of everything and it did not bring into consideration law enforcement, judges, or all of the stakeholders in place. It was basically to allow criminals to go free. The law also implements a higher standard on when a defendant can be detained for several crimes, including second-degree murder, aggravated battery, arson, and kidnapping. Every aspect of this act is to benefit the criminal. The new rule replaces cash bail with a judge's determination on the defendant's flight risk and risk to the public from the evidence prosecutors submit. The reforms being passed around the country revolve around the idea that the criminal should not be held, he noted. I think that's absurd. Supporters of the Safety Act argue that it will combat systemic racism and make the criminal justice system more equitable. In Orland Park, in addition to eliminating cash bail in Illinois, this is... This is an aspect of it that is inviting criminals to home invade. Pacal highlighted how the law will drop trespassing from a Class A misdemeanor to Class B, which he notes police, as a result, will not be able to remove trespassers from property. So they literally, in Illinois, change the law that if somebody comes into your home, they decide, you know what, Eh, I'm going to live in your garage. Police cannot remove them. It's going to be up to you. And once again, you will be enemy number one if you physically remove them. You'll get sued. You'll be arrested. He noted that they can't arrest individuals, that, but they will be able to write them a ticket. So they get to stay in that business, on your property, at your home, etc. He noted we create potential anarchy because law enforcement can't do their job and the people feel that they have to do that job. People aren't trained in the use of force. They're not trained to de-escalate situations. Lots of bad things can happen out of this, and it could possibly, potentially, spiral out of control. And it will. And this is what I'm talking about. You would think that if you're a Democrat and you see what is happening around us, you see, I mean, it's just the madness, the total mayhem. And they pass laws like this. You've got Mayor Adams of New York last week saying that, oh, it's just a perception people have that's an increase. I mean, we have a lot of people. It's really not that big of a deal. So the people, when it comes to gun ownership or COVID, who said if it saves just one life, it's worth it, all of a sudden, oh, well, we've got lots of people here, you know, 12 murders in a week. That's really not that big of a deal after all. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. This Friday, Heroes Breakfast, Scramblers, if you are a veteran, come by as 
We broadcast live. You're going to get breakfast. That thanks to air services, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical, Delta roofing, and, of course, scramblers. That's Republic and National. Another reminder, again, that that Honor Flight, it's the last one of the year. Honor Flight of the Ozarks is going to be returning, and so the welcome home. If you've been to one before, I don't need to probably encourage you to go. It's an incredible opportunity for you, for your kids, your grandkids. It's meaningful, and it, it is uh, probably one of the, if not the most meaningful way you can, quote, give back to a veteran is to be there upon their um, arrival back home at the airport tonight. I'd say get there around eight thirty nine, somewhere around there, and uh, and give them that welcome that they so deserve. And that will be the last one for the year. There was a story that uh, I started to share yesterday, and I ran out of time. But as we, we talk about the totalitarian state that is being crafted under Democrats, and you got this Marco, you know, I mean, we've seen you get the president of the United States, along with Democrats, talking about how Republicans are going to kill women. Republicans are going to put women in jail for having miscarriages. Republicans, Hillary Clinton is out there saying that they're going to steal the 2024 election. Uh, they are semi-fascist. And then we're shocked when you have people believe them and take it out on Republicans, whether it is the guy who ran over the 18-year-old because he was a Republican, said he thought he was an extremist, the elderly woman who was shot while going door-to-door uh, trying to uh, encourage people to vote for a pro-life measure in her state. you got a Marco Rubio campaign volunteer that was hospitalized, had his jaw broken, a number of other just massive injuries. And, uh, you know, he's reporting that they said no, Republicans aren't allowed here. We'll have to wait and see if there's further evidence of that. But, I mean, you know, it's just we we can't be surprised by these things. You have the January 6th committee hearings. You, you have the, the, the government running and treating political opposition like Putin does or like the communist Chinese do. And so this story, The Daily Wire, again, it was yesterday or the day before, Capital Punishment, the director... It's a film, documentary. The director, Chris Burgard, described the chilling visit he got from the FBI after making his movie about January 6th and said, if this can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. Burgard has been making films for decades, telling The Daily Wire on Friday that not once, with any of the movies he's ever made, about anything from the Vietnam War to an expose at the southern border, did he get a visit from the FBI. In his movie, he challenges the media's insurrection narrative by giving protesters who say they never even entered the building the chance to speak out. After being vilified and more, as previously reported, the director, who lives on a large ranch with a quarter-mile driveway in Texas with his family, said it was his wife, Lisa, who discovered the FBI agent's card on the door at home. Quote, there was no note attached, so I wasn't sure. Was it for Chris? Was it for me? Was it for the whole family? This is his wife, Lisa, saying we were supposed to call them back, or were we? I, I really didn't know what to make of it, but it was a warning. I mean, I've never had anything like that happen before. So she called Chris, her husband, the director of the film, documentary, and he said, get an attorney. When they reached out to the FBI agent, Burgard told, uh, said that he told him, quote, that they had a call into the terrorist threat center that I was a terrorist because I made the movie, Capital Punishment, and they had orders from D.C. that I needed to be investigated. They had orders from D.C. Where are all of you people? Where's Michael Moore, the great documentary filmmaker, screaming from the rooftops about this? You know, back in April, 
a journalist from ABC was working on an expose regarding the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan, and the Biden administration had the FBI raid his home at 5.30 in the morning, and he has not been seen or heard from since. No one knows where he is. Here's a documentary filmmaker directing a film, giving people who have been accused, they say falsely, of being in the Capitol on January 6th, the ability to plead their case to the public, and he gets a visit from the FBI saying that that Washington, D.C. said he needed to be investigated. He told the Daily Wire, to call me and my family a terrorist threat, it's not stuff that you should have to live with. This is America under Democrat rule. We're going to take a quick break and then just a bit of info, another Daily Caller story here. A former official is noting that the left is out for blood. The Biden DOJ is weaponizing law enforcement to arrest political enemies. This is where we are now. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. And then I saw her the Biden administration is weaponizing the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act to go after pro-life activists. An attorney who served under the Bush and Obama administration revealed to the Daily Caller. Roger Severino, who served as an attorney at the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division, said, quote, The left is out for blood and Biden's base is demanding prosecutions and the DOJ is providing them. The Biden administration has charged at least 16 pro-life Americans with a maximum of 11 years in prison for allegations that they violated the act, which prohibits obstructing people seeking reproductive services. You see, we've got to understand to the left, triggering someone is obstruction. So even if you're just seen praying, you could qualify. If you post something on social media, I'm telling you, where, where if they haven't already been there, where they will go. If you put anything that, that makes somebody ashamed to get an abortion, you're obstructing what otherwise should be their uninhibited decision to have an abortion. Pro-life activist Mark Houck allegedly pushed an abortion. This is the guy that there was a pro abortion individual that was threatening his 12-year-old son, and he got in between him and pushed him. He fell to the ground. And so, of course, the reasonable response from the Biden administration is to have a SWAT team um, raid his home. The DOJ has charged the other 15 pro-life Americans with allegedly obstructing entrances of abortion clinics and they face a maximum of 11 years in prison when, under the law, first-time violators uh, usually face a maximum of six months. Well, it's just like trespassing in the Capitol. If you're trespassing in the Capitol to protest Brett Kavanaugh, you get a $50 fine. If you protest in the Capitol or, or um, trespass in the Capitol to protest what you believe is illegalities when it comes to our elections, well, you get thrown in solitary confinement for a year or more. Past administrations have issued multi-year prison sentences for violation of the FACE Act in the case of a fatal shooting, death threats, 
and damaging abortion clinics with Molotov cocktails, while people obstructing entrances to clinics faced monetary fines and restraining orders. But they're amping it up. And it should be noted again, of the 100 and some cases of pro-abortion individuals that have firebombed medical facilities that are pro-life, there has not been a single arrest. But now they're threatening to put pro-lifers who stand in front of a doorway in prison for 11 years. Glenn Beck's next. I'm Nick Reed. Talk to you tomorrow.